Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is college football playoff rankings week. Tennessee is not going to make the playoff this year, but would they if there were a 12-team playoff? And what about next year? Once the 12 team playoff arrives, welcome into the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer with the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams, Tennessee, coming off of a very important win over Kentucky on Saturday. Guys, as I teased in the open there, I do want to talk big picture, long term type of stuff with the playoff going from four to 12 next year, how that might affect Tennessee. But before we get there, I don't want to gloss over this result in Lexington because I I thought it was huge. Uh, um, you know, it, it won't go down as Josh Heupel's best victory, and I don't know that it counts as his most important victory because Alabama still looms large in that conversation. But it's on the short list of his most important wins, I think, throughout um, his two and a half seasons in Knoxville. Paul Feinbaum said that that game saved Tennessee's season, and. I don't know that that's hyperbole. I, I think I would buy that. That was that how big that win was, I thought, for Tennessee against Kentucky on Saturday. How did you guys see it? Yeah, I think that was a, a game. At, at, at this point in the season, like the top half, maybe even the top third of the SEC is separating itself. And the games that you're getting in late October and now uh, will be early November, you're sort of shedding the dead weight of that race. Um, nothing against Kentucky, but they at one point were in that conversation and now they're dead weight. They're pushed aside. Um, Tennessee held on and are, are moving forward. Uh, and like you said, we'll talk later in the, in this pod about uh, teams that are on the edge of playoffs that are in the, uh, at least in the conversation for the better bowls. Um, if Tennessee had lost that game, they would be out of that conversation. The fact that they won it, they're back in you know, and it, it we'll see this more in Oct or in November that Tennessee coaches always need to beat Kentucky and Vanderbilt, and you know, in this era, Missouri. We'll see if that happens. And Josh Heupel has done that so far, and so to do that again sort of upholds the the idea that Tennessee's not just Tennessee's team is better than Kentucky this year or those other teams, but its program is better. And he didn't. He needed to make that statement, and he needed to win on the road because they just uh, the the road woes had been sort of a a little bit of a frustration, but it was it was turning into a real trend, a real real concern. It's one thing to lose on the road at Georgia a couple of years ago. It's another, and then lose to at Alabama. Uh, it's quite another when you lose at South Carolina, and then if you lost this one, you would have a loss at Kentucky, so on and so forth. So they needed to, to beat a team that was, you know, at their level on the road, and and they did that. And the way they they did it, and and I wrote this after the game, was sort of by any means necessary. It wasn't the script or the formula that we thought we'd get out of this Tennessee team this year. Um, they're running the ball really well. Joe Milton was really efficient. They didn't get the pass rush that you thought for sure they would have. Instead, they got carved up by the pass. 
but they still stopped the run and they made a bunch of field goals and however you can win, you win. And, um, a lot of teams at this time of year are, are following their formula and it's not working. Tennessee found a new formula and that, that's what separated them from teams like Kentucky. Yeah. That's one of the things that impressed me too. I thought Tennessee was very resourceful in that game. The other thing that impressed me was that t- I thought Tennessee beat Kentucky at Kentucky's very best in this series. It has long been dominated by Tennessee how many times has Kentucky done everything it can to just roll over and hand Tennessee a win? It didn't do that Saturday. This was the best I've seen Kentucky play. I know it had the big win over Florida, but in the, Florida wasn't playing well then. I just think Kentucky's uh, passing game, I never saw that coming. Devin Leary passed for about 370 yards. He looked like what he was supposed to be when he transferred from NC State a future NFL high-round draft pick, and he made NFL-like throws. Kentucky has good receivers, playmakers, but they haven't been making plays. They've leaned totally on the running of Ray Davis. Uh, Leary had been a 54% completion guy. And I didn't attribute Kentucky's success to Tennessee failures. I thought this was a case of where Kentucky really upped its game. And for Tennessee to win that game, I thought it was very significant. John, I think that was the perspective of Kentucky fans, too. Something I've, I like to do sometimes for road games is listen to podcasts of uh, media that covers the opposing team just to get their perspective. And so I was listening to a few Kentucky podcasts on the drive home on Sunday, and they all kind of said the same thing, that they couldn't really be that. This is more fan fan reporting, fan sites, I'll say. Um, that they couldn't really be that disappointed in Kentucky's performance because they played well. They played really well. They played poorly against Georgia, poorly against Missouri, but they were pretty pleased that Kentucky did everything that they they could do. They played well. They just got beat by a better team. And so, uh, yeah, I think that says a lot about Tennessee that they played a Kentucky team at its best and uh, and still won the game on the road. By the way, those same podcasts, and these, again, are, are fans responding, but some media – their second take on the game was Kentucky may have won the game if they would if the officials would have helped them out some because obviously they helped Tennessee. So I thought that was I thought that was funny. I, fans need to listen to the opposition sometimes to hear their perspective because all that I heard after the game was how much uh, Tennessee had gotten screwed out of some calls. And when we asked Josh Hopple about it, he again refused to answer anything he was he was so angry so it, it goes both ways Kentucky really Kentucky thought all the all the calls went Tennessee's way and and vice versa yeah if you want to find the one way to unify America just bring up officiating and uh, uh, folks from far and wide will come to an agreement that the men in the striped jerseys stink now they may will disagree <laughs> about how they stink but they they'll be in unison uh, about officiating stinking. That's, that's for sure. Um, they so usually, guys, Blake, excuse yeah. me. They usually agree on the announcers too. The that's, announcers that's are always against their team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you could tell if you just listened to them and you right away, they were pulling for the other team. Yeah. Usually your local uh, sports columnist too is out to get you as, <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, all right. So full disclosure here, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. You are listening to this after that. We're recording this before the college football playoff rankings are out. 
that's fine because uh, Tennessee's not making a four-team playoff. They're more contending for something like a Florida Bowl game, which is what Al- uh, Adam has been saying for for weeks, and looks like it might be coming to fruition. So this is more the ten thousand foot view conversation. Next year, Tennessee uh, should co- go into the season among a list of teams that could conceivably make a 12-team playoff. Adam, I know you've written some this week about some of the young talent on Tennessee, some of the guys that are coming back next year, some signs that we're seeing that maybe there's really some reason for optimism going forward about what Tennessee could achieve in 2024. So I know it's a long way out, but like this time next year, what do you think the chances are that we're going to be talking about Tennessee in the playoff conversation after the first rankings come out for a 12-team playoff versus a 14-team playoff? Well, it depends on how much they can reboot this roster, and I think this is a good week to talk about it since Tennessee's playing UConn. They should they should win in a blowout, and we'll see a lot of these young players play. So, Nico at quarterback next year, presumably, um, can, he, can he make this offense do, at the very least, what it's doing this year and maybe closer to what it did last year? Um how many of those offensive linemen are going to return? Some of them have a have a COVID exempt year. They could come back if they wanted to. Um, how many offensive linemen will they get in the portal? Uh, some of the defensive linemen, which are really, really good, um, can come back. They have a COVID year. How many of those will be back? Will they be able to, to restock the secondary um, because they've only played veteran players there? Will they go into the portal and get at least one dominant wide receiver? They have a five-star wide receiver coming in. They need at least one guy in the portal. How will they How will they uh, restock tight ends? Because they'll lose a couple of those. There's so many questions. And, and by the way, if Tennessee fans shouldn't be scared of all these potential holes because this is what teams all around the country are doing. Um, you just don't restock through recruiting in the way that you used to. You've got to go into the portal and get a lot of guys. Um, I like generally what Tennessee has coming back. I like the recruiting class that they have coming in. We'll see some of the freshmen that are in this class this year. We think in the UConn game, uh, Nico is the one that everybody wants to see, but I think they have some some promising guys in defense. I think when the 12-team playoff comes, we're going to sort of need to be reconditioned on how we look at seasons. Like right now, um, you know, for an SEC fan, particularly a Tennessee fan, you say you can you can lose one. You can lose one and you can still be in it. And, you know, that was the situation last year. Once Tennessee, um, you know, Tennessee lost to Georgia, he said, well, they're, they're still in it. They can still get in the playoff. And once they lost to South Carolina, okay, now you're probably out. And they were. Uh, we'll have to recondition ourselves next year into thinking more of this as not 11-1, and one, but 10-2. and two. A 10-2 and two SEC team is, is, is most likely going to get into the playoff in the 12-team playoff. A 9-3 and three maybe could, but I certainly wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, put down any bets for that. I think 10 and two is going to be the mark. I, I, I think one way to think about this is right now we have the two playoff games and then we have four additional bowls that are, that make up the new year six. If you're 10 and two, now you go to a new year six bowl. Last year, Tennessee went to the orange bowl. If Tennessee somehow won out, which would include an upset of Georgia this year, they would be 10 and two. They would be in the conversation for, They'd be right in the middle of it for it for a New Year's Six Bowl. The the 
probably not the peach, probably the cotton bowl. But again, that's a 10 and two team. That that's how you need to think of next year's uh, next year's game because you're talking about 12 teams in both of those scenarios, or really 11 and a uh, group of five team. So if you're good enough to get into a New Year's Six bowl in our current format, you're good enough to get in the playoff in next year's format, and you know then it just comes down to how much you you have coming back what your trajectory is and what your schedule looks like. And I think that last one is going to be as important as anything with Tennessee. They'll play next year. They'll play NC state in the second game of the year. It's a neutral site game. Uh, well, Nico, let's say he's the quarterback. Will he be ready by the second game of the year to beat NC state? I, I don't know. He, he can't be a developmental guy and go on the road and win. Uh, next year, the three big ones, if you're judging it by what the rankings are now at Oklahoma, at Georgia, at home against Alabama. You, you can't lose all three of those and get to the playoff next year. At Oklahoma, at Georgia, and at home against Alabama. You got to go at least one and two in those and then run the rest of the table. So it's going to be a major lift, especially with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference. But 10 and two next year, that, that's your mark. Tennessee has rarely hit that in the last 20 years. They did last year. They're actually still in contention to do it this year, so so it at least could be on the table next year. But if you're in rebuilding and you're an eight and four type team next year, uh, you're probably out of the conversation by this this point in the calendar. Yeah, I think it's all about the transfer portal with Tennessee. Tennessee's got to do better in the transfer portal than it's done in the past. It's got to get some really productive players. It needs offensive linemen. It needs uh, secondary players. Uh, it's really hard for me to tell, predict, you know, try to project what the lineup will look like, but this COVID year just throws everything <laughs> askew. I, I just, so I have a hard time ascertaining, well, what will this depth chart look like? But I agree with Adam. There are young, promising young players out there. Some of them are playing more than others now. Uh, but when I look at that schedule, I think it's a very manageable schedule because I think right now I would, I expect Tennessee to be favored in nine games last next year. Nine games. I don't know exactly what NC State will have, but NC State's kind of a mid-level ACC uh, team, maybe a little better than that. It had a nice win this past weekend. Uh, I think it's five and three, but uh, I see it as a winning team, but not not necessarily a top 25 team. Then the three games you mentioned, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, if you just win one of those games and do what you're supposed to do, take care of business in the other games, I think you're in the playoff. And I could even see, depending on how things go elsewhere, a 9-3 and three SEC team against a really good schedule and maybe have a good non-conference win better than an NC State would be. I could see a nine and three team from the SEC slipping into the playoff. I don't know. Do we know yet what's going to happen? The Big tw- the Pac twelve's gone. So, Blake, can you can you help me with that? Yeah, that I, I don't think that's reached a conclusion, but there's certainly been a lot of dialogue, and uh, the SEC is partially behind that about reducing from six automatic bids for conference champions to five automatic bids, which would free up an extra at-large, uh, which a conference like the SEC 
wants to see happen. I, I don't believe that that has reached a conclusion uh, at, at this point, but that is the ongoing debate. And, and certainly the SEC is behind the idea of reducing the number of automatic bids by one to make them eligible for an additional at-large bid. Yeah, and it would be fair if you did reduce it by one, because what you're going to possibly end up having is you have the power four, so to speak, uh, conference champions in, and then you're going to have two more conference champions in, that are from the essentially the group of five. So let's say the AAC gets somebody in, um, their champion. Well, then for that that last spot, you're going to give like the Mountain West champion the spot as opposed to the second best Big Ten team or the second best ACC team, which, you know, let's say it's Clemson or the third or fourth best SEC team. Can you imagine if you're a if you're a nine and three SEC team and you lose to three top 10 teams and uh, you're not going, but the Mountain West Conference champion is going? Well, this uh, is know, a popular take and an unpopular take, but it, that Mountain West champ, champ this year is probably going to be thirteen and zero Air Force. So yeah. uh, I would be arguing for thirteen and zero Air Force uh, over, this year. Uh, okay, over but nine they, and three SEC. They, they they would be that this year though. But then you would have that co- that conversation with the AAC champion, uh, yeah. you know, or the sub. And I and I I love mid majors because I've cut my teeth covering mid majors group of fives, but. One spot is is enough. You, you you shouldn't have two in there. Um, but yes, and, and with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference, that opens the door more for more teams from the SEC potentially coming in. But I still think I think you have to go into the year saying ten and two, you're in. Nine and three, you're out. I think that's probably where the where the cutoff is going to be. And really, that's I, I said before. We can sort of kind of compare that to where where things are at this year. Tennessee this year. Best case scenario, if they ran the table, like I said, they could get into a near six bowl. So that's what you think of, of this year as, as a playoff caliber team. But they could go nine and three or even 10 and two and make the Citrus Bowl, which is not a near six game. They're in contention with that for prop with probably Ole Miss and LSU. So if this was a 12 team playoff year, it would be Ole Miss. It, Ole Miss would be picked to to get in to the 12 team playoff LSU would be just on the outside and then Tennessee would be after that. And so you would be in the November, you'd say, Hey, it's three teams playing for one spot. And that's sort of what they're playing for, for like the citrus or, or the cotton bowl at this point next year, it would be for a playoff spot. Yeah. Hope's going to spring eternal for a lot of programs on like November 1st next year, because you know, the 12 team only 12 teams will make the playoff. But at this point in the calendar, there's there's going to be like 25 teams in the in the conversation for it. But what I'm curious to see, and, and we won't know it till it happens, is let's say Tennessee were to go to nine and three this year. They lose to Georgia. They beat Missouri. They go to the Citrus Bowl, and uh, they they beat a pretty decent team in the Citrus Bowl. They're ten and three. I think most Tennessee fans are probably feeling pretty good about that. They're wondering about the one that got away in Alabama. They're wondering how they lost to Florida in the swamp, but still 10 and three, you win the citrus bowl. Most of your fan base is feeling good. Alternatively to that, there is going to be a year where a nine and three sec team makes the playoff. It's, it's going to happen at, at some point. I don't know if Tennessee is a great candidate for it next year, because to John's point, you might have to beat someone better than NC state to have a great resume at nine and three, but it's going to happen somewhere. 
I'm wondering if you're the number 12 seed in a 12 team playoff at nine and three, and you get steamrolled in a first round game, you lose by 20 points. How are you feeling as a fan base versus if you go 10 and three with a citrus bowl win? Like on the one hand, you made the playoff, but you lost your last game of the season and, and it's over. On the other hand, you don't make the playoff. You don't even make a New Year's Six, but you win the Citrus Bowl. It is going to be interesting to see how fans feel about seasons if you barely squeak into the playoff and then get run over versus making a decent bowl game that you could win. I ask a similar question uh, to a Tennessee fan in my household uh, a few days ago. <laughs> where I, <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I, I think it was in the conversation of Michigan's alleged sign stealing. And I uh, said, so, you know, Tennessee won the Orange Bowl last year. That's a great way to finish. 11-2, and two, won the Orange Bowl. Um, would you have rather had that or gone into the playoff and lost to TCU? And so you lost – you got in the playoff, but you lost. You lost your last game. Of course, the response was, well, Tennessee wouldn't have lost to TCU. Sure. <laughs> so, well, that wasn't an option. That, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the scenario I was laying out. But I think – I mean, I think it's going to be similar to um, – you know, the question is asked over the years, would you rather be the NIT champion or get into the NCAA tournament and get put out? And and usually people would say, I'd, re- I'd rather be in the tournament. There's a cutoff. If you get in, if you get in this group, you're one of you're one of the best. Um, if you're not, you're not. And, and I think that's how people are going to look at it. Um, getting into the playoff is going to mean something. And it's really going to. For a number of programs, it's going to hold coaches' feet to the fire, I think, a little more aggressively. And that's hard to think of of how aggressively their feet are held to the fire now in some cases. But there's tw- there's going to be 12 spots now. If you're a premier program and you don't get in the playoff, you know, then then there's something wrong with the program and we've got to we, we got to change coaches. That's how people are going to look at it. Um, you know, back in the day, you could sort of wave the banner and say, hey, you know, we still got into a pretty good bowl and you can't win them all sort of thing. Uh, but now you, you don't have to win them all and you get you can get into 12. And we'll see a graphic three years from now. We'll see a graphic that says, um, you know, best coaches not to go to the playoff, <laughs> you know, or the so-and-so's playoff drought now to three years. I know everybody's high on Josh Hoppel now, and I think they have every reason to be, but if next year's team goes eight and four and rebuilding, okay, that's fine. Freshman quarter, or at that point, redshirt freshman or sophomore quarterback, that's fine. Second year, if you don't get to the playoff, well, what's wrong? There's 12 spots. Why haven't you gotten there? Third year, you're not in the playoff. This isn't working. There's so many playoff spots. How come you can't get in? You just got to be one of the top 12. That'll happen a lot of schools, and that'll happen at Tennessee if Tennessee doesn't get in there in the first, you know, couple three years. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll take that long for the fan base to turn. I think if Tennessee doesn't make the playoff next year, I don't <laughs> care if they. I don't care if they got a new quarterback. The fans are going to say, "Well, you should have played anymore the first his freshman year." Uh, I think there will be tremendous pressure on Tennessee to make the playoff, a twelve-team playoff. One year, John. You're saying one year. Next year, yeah. I think there will be pressure on Tennessee to make the playoff. Because it's Heupel's had- fourth season. It'd be different if he was a first-year coach. It's the first year of the playoff, but it'll be Heupel's year four. Yeah, see, Tennessee, There, this is a long, long-time buildup of frustration with Tennessee fans. 
I mean, you go back how bad Tennessee's been at so many times since uh, 2007, starting with the 2008 season. Tennessee hasn't won an SEC championship since 1998. And I think that factors into it. Now they see a better program, a better coach, better players. Okay, we're tired of waiting, and we don't want to hear about need more time. The time is now. Let's do this. You went 11-2 and in your second year. You should be better in your fourth year. I think that's how a lot of a lot of fans will look at it. So I don't think they will have much uh, much wiggle room here. I think it's going to be if Tennessee goes eight and four next year and it's not in the playoff. I think the the majority of the fans will be very disappointed. Well, well, I can. Uh, I don't mean to be a, a, a negative Nancy here, <laughs> but I <laughs> I can John. I can tie your take there with an early earlier topic we hit in this pod is that next year it being Josh Hopple's fourth year, it will be the first season that the majority of his players are in the starting lineup this year. It's a little over 50% of his players that he brought here. He still has like 47% of Jeremy Pruitt players or recruits. Um, but the majority of the starters right now by just a little bit is still Jeremy Pruitt players, especially on defense. Almost the whole defense is Jeremy Pruitt players. So next year would be the first year that you say, hey, these are all guys, pretty almost all guys that Josh Heupel handpicked. So if it took a step back and you didn't make the playoff or you weren't even in the conversation of the playoff, uh, that would be that would be the take that I think the fan base would have. Again, they're probably going to be pretty good next year. But if if they weren't, that's that's where people will take it, that this is now the turnover of of his players, including the quarterback that he chose. And, let me and, let me frame it. Diff- Go ahead, John. Well, I was just thinking also another factor in this couple of things. Josh Heupel's now making nine million dollars a year, and fans look at that. Those are championship wages, uh, or playoff wages, I should say. Uh, and another f- uh, something else that might come up is that when he was at Central Florida, the record declined while he was there from his first season to his last. And so they could see that as a trend. I think these were, you know how it is. If you're trying to make a point, you just, you go looking for those facts that support your point. And I think that's what would happen with some fans. Well, let me frame it differently, guys, because, I mean, if you're a program like Georgia with Kirby Smart as your coach, uh, or, or probably Alabama still falls in this conversation, maybe one or two others, you're going to make a 12-team playoff if not every year, like nine times in a 10 year span, right? Like, I mean, they make the playoff almost every year now in a four team playoff, uh, particularly with Alabama, it's, it's been a regular in the playoff, you know, last year was an exception to the rule. Certainly there, there's going to be a couple programs that become staples in a 12 teamer, but for most programs, that's not going to be the case. There's a lot of programs that can probably make it like once or twice every 10 years. There's other programs that can maybe make it you know, between like three and six times every 10 years. I'm wondering what you think a realistic expectation for Tennessee could be across a 10-year span. Uh, how many times, I mean, very few coaches are going to get 10 years, right? I'm not saying with the same coach, but just in a 10-year span, how many times should Tennessee reasonably expect to be in the playoffs during that stretch? I mean, 
yeah, Vols fans would, would love to be in the same category as Georgia with Kirby and say, hey, we'd make the playoff every year. That's not going to happen. So what is reasonable to expect to happen in a 10-year span? How many times does, does Tennessee need to get in it? Well, I think our answers and Tennessee fans' answers would be different, even even reasonable Tennessee fans, because you have to think about where this program has been, not just recently, but but that it was a championship level for, for a good period of time. Um, I did something, uh, I think it was last summer maybe, where I looked at past Tennessee teams and how many would have made the playoff if you had a 12-team playoff in place. Of the last 40 years, 13 Tennessee teams would have made a 12-team playoff. Uh, Johnny Majors would have had four of those. Phil Fulmer would have had eight of those, basically all the 90s um, early, in some early 2000s. And then Josh Heupel would have had one last year. So 13 times in 40 years. So you're talking about at least one every three years, one every four years. I mean, if you're doing that math, then you would say out of 10 years, um, they do it, what, three times? I I, th- I think that's a kind of a heavy lift to 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 do that. Um, I, I you know two out of ten. Uh, I think I, I think one out of five, two out of ten. I think that's what you're looking at to be reasonable. Um, if it's one out of ten, I, I think you've got a problem with the program. If it's better than two out of ten, you're headed in the right direction. But I I, I think two out of ten, one out of five would be fine. I don't think Tennessee fans would be happy at all with getting there twice or even three times in 10 years. I think they would, would want it to be an, an every other year type thing. You didn't make it next this year. Okay. Well, you got to make it next year. I think that's how most Tennessee teams would see it. All right. So Adam's in for two out of 10, John. Well, maybe I'm speaking like a fan here, but I would say four out of 10. That's the number I had in mind was four out of 10. And I think you got to do something with one of those. You can't go, you can't make it four times in a 10 year span and lose in the first round every time. Um, you know, Rick Barnes can lose in the first and second round every year and nobody cares because Tennessee, although it's a quote unquote, everything school, it is still foremost a football school. And so I think Tennessee has to make it about, about four times in a 10 year span. I think you could maybe get away with three times in a 10 year span. Let, if, let me up mine to doing th- something. Let me up mine to three. Uh, I'll, I'll go three. Okay. Uh, be, and, and, and here's why I'm thinking through what we said earlier in the pod about, can you get there at 10 and two? You absolutely will. If you're nine and three, could you get in? Maybe. Um, I, I think Tennessee could, could consistently be a nine and three program. So I, I think they could, I think they could get in three of the next 10. I think that would, that would be reasonable. I think it also, the math is going to change a lot when Oklahoma and Texas get in and then the PAC 12, goes away or whatever is going to happen with it because I think I, you're going to get an extra SEC team in that we didn't think that we didn't think would happen before. You're, you're talking about like three teams in the SEC getting in. The math is probably going to change where you're going to get four in at least. Um, and Tennessee can be in the top three or four, you know, every, every three years. I think when you look at the expanded SEC and you talk, start talking about expectations, Alabama and Georgia, you say, well, they should make it most of the time. If you told Alabama and Georgia fans, well, you'll make the playoff every other year, they'll wonder what's gone wrong. I think LSU 
is another program where the fans will expect to be in there more often than not. Not not just five out of ten, but maybe seven out of ten. <laughs> uh, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma, my goodness, they're going to expect to be in there seven out of ten times. I guarantee you. And Texas fans might too. So I've listed five schools other than Tennessee whose expectations will be high. One thing that could help Tennessee in all those programs, uh, you already expanded this thing to 12. I could see it going to 16. That, that's a good point, John. I, I frame this from a 10-year lens. That's assuming the 12-team playoff even lasts 10 years. It'll be 10 years on the nose for the four-team playoff. This is the 10th and final year for it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many years the 12-teamer lasts. Does it, does it even make it to 10 before it expands again? You, you might be onto something there, John. Well, and I'm curious to see whether it's a 12 or 16 for Tennessee, which group they're in. Are they in, are they going to be in the group that's contending almost every year? Cause that's sort of what they are these last two years. They're in that nine to 11 win range. Um, or are they going to be a team that's, that's just not going to make it. And then they pop every three or four years. You know, I think in the SEC, like John was listing off those teams that expect to go almost every year. Um, Georgia and Alabama, for sure. Texas, yes. Oklahoma, yes. Um, LSU, yeah, they're going to expect that. Florida, what is Florida? I mean, we don't know who the head coach is going to be, but uh, long term. <laughs> we don't but, think it'll be Billy Napier, though. But, you know, does Florida – will Florida expect to be there most years, or will they say we're going to build – to try to get there in a three-year span. And so I don't know if Tennessee is going to be a – you can be in the conversation every year and get over the top like you would have last year, or is it more building for that shot? Because like a – you know, like a um, South Carolina, Mississippi State, who knows, maybe Ole Miss. I mean, those type of schools, if you think the last decade – remember that year when Mississippi State and Ole Miss were both like – number one and number two in the yeah in in the country. You know, they built to that, and that was like the dream season. Hey, we we, we got to the mountaintop that one time. Is Tennessee going to be closer to that or closer to the Alabamas and Georgias where you, they're going to be in the conversation? It just matters what, you know, what happens in a couple of games. I, I don't really know which one they're going to be in, but uh, I could see them being in either. They're, they're very much in that middle ground. Well, see, I've we've mentioned six school, schools, including Tennessee, with uh, and we're saying Blake and I said four out of ten for Tennessee. Uh, now you bring up Florida. I think Florida will expect Florida fans will. They see what's happening now as an aberration. They think their their rightful place is where Urban Meyer had had the Gators and where Steve Spurrier had the Gators. Florida, Auburn, and Texas A and M. I mean, you think Texas A&M, those fans, (laughs) gosh, with all their resources, there just could be a lot of teams vying for these playoff spots. Yeah. Uh, And again, and again, the, if you're, if you're thinking, well, every year we should be in it every year, you're going to have one team that pops that year. This year, it would have been like Missouri, you know, Hey, this is their one chance. Um, you know, so you're going to have one of those every year. That's probably going to eliminate one of the ones that figure they for sure be, should be in. Uh, so it's 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 going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm three out of ten for Tennessee. But uh, 
if Josh Heupel only goes to the playoff once in his first three years, they're probably going to run him out of town. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they should, but it, but you, you never know. Well, there is a game on Saturday. It is a noon kickoff, so you can get the uh, mimosas and Bloody Marys. You have to get them flowing early uh, if that is uh, your pregame of, of choice. Uh, Adam will not be partaking in that because he'll be hard at work in the press box at Neyland Stadium. You can find his coverage at knoxnews.com. Find John's commentary. And as always, we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.